Hey everyone, good evening. Thank you for joining uh, tonight's pre-Purim class. It's Tuesday instead of Monday. It just wasn't coming together for me last night yet, so let's hope that tonight it is going to come together. Let's see. I don't know where this class is going to go. With Hashem's help, it's going to go where it needs to go. Um, anybody that would like to dedicate this class, it is available for dedication. So um, you can do so post-class. Hopefully the class is uh, going to be a, an energetic class that's going to have uh, a potency even after I give it. So when you're listening, people most people don't listen to it live. Some do, but most don't. And it goes on and on and on and on. So you can still capture the schus of this shear for whoever it is that you want to dedicate that schus to. So thank you. Uh, in advance. All right, so Purim is coming, and this is a spectacular year. This is not an ordinary year. It's an extraordinary year. It's uh, it's, uh, it's it's the year when we're looking for Pella, for wonders, and Purim starts with a pay, which pay is the, the wonder. And Purim is the ultimate wonder. So um, the Gemara tells us that Esther said... Asked the rabbi, she said, I think it is, or I think. Uh, um, write me down for, for, for generations. She sent it to the rabbis. In other words, she wanted the story of Purim, the Megillah, um, should be written down. She asked the rabbis to write it. And this should be a story that should accompany the Jewish people for generations. In other words, that this should be um, included in the 24 books of Torah. I mean, I guess without this it would be 23. So this should be included in the books of the Torah, um, of Scripture. Kav inuhu Institute the yomtiv of Purim as, an, as, a, as a permanent mark, as a permanent institution for generations to come. And... Um, First, the rabbis, I think the Talmud says that the rabbis didn't, uh, weren't necessarily sure about it, but in the end, they accepted it, and um, it was, it was, uh, Megillah Esther is, is, is part of scripture, part of, uh, part of Tanakh. And um, the Talmud says that it was written, I mean, I mean, so much, it's so permanent that we know that even if uh, all the other Kizvei Kodesh of Nevi'im will become battle after Mashiach comes, uh, not the five books, but the other Nevi'im, but Megillah Sesta will always survive, it will last, it will be of significance, the same as regarding Purim. As the sages say, that even if other Yom Toivim will be cancelled, not cancelled in the sense of cancelled, but cancelled in the sense of um, dis dissolve in terms of the the light and the energy of the daily life after Mashiach comes is going to be so powerful. Just give me one minute. That um, we, we um, won't notice the holidays because the lights of Mashiach will overwhelm or over... The, the, their, their illumination will cancel the light of the... Of the um, any yomtif. But not, not Purim. Purim will stand out. Because Purim is like beyond, beyond. Um, so it was accepted. 
And the Gemara says that Esther was written Beruach HaKodesh. Now, in order to qualify, obviously, to be part of the scripture, you can't just write a story. <laughs> they tell the story of the Mittler Rebbe, that the Mittler Rebbe, the son of Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Yadi, Rabbi Doiv Ber, um, was once at a town. Uh, actually, they say, I, I don't remember now, they have, have the name of the town in which he was. And it was there Purim, and he heard the Megillah from whoever was reading the Megillah. After the Megillah, um, the, there was a little like, um, uh, uh, the guy had neck, the, the, the Balkaire, the one who was reading, had like a little um, plate or a basket or you know a, a hat, like a street performer. You know, street performers that are jugglers outside in the street or are playing you know, uh, a musical instrument, people drop in coins as sign of appreciation if they enjoyed the performance or the dollar bills or whatever it is. So this, the, the, this is the way it worked in the town. People enjoyed the Megillah. They would you know, throw in a couple of what we call kapikis to this fellow. But the kapikis didn't even add up to one ruble. It wasn't much. The Mittler never came and he dropped in a series. He dropped in a $5 bill. In this case, it was like considered five ruble. Maybe it was more than $5. Maybe it was a $50 bill. And the guy was taken aback. He said, well, well this, is, this is more than I get. Like, why, 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 you t why the big tip? And the Mittler Rebbe says, such an ami, such a beautiful story. <laughs> a beautiful story. And uh, the, what, what, what the, uh, you know, as the explanation goes of what the Mittler Rebbe was saying is that every year, the Mittler Rebbe would hear the story from his father, uh, the Balatanya, the Alter Rebbe. He would read the Megillah. And when the Alter Rebbe read the Megillah, you didn't hear a story. You heard, you heard, uh, you heard the, 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 the entire Seder Shalos, or beyond that, you saw the entire divine structure being revealed in the Megillah. It was a story of pure, pure divinity, pure godliness. When this person was reading, he was reading a story as it was in this world. So he heard the, the, he heard the, the regular story. In the middle of it, I never heard such a story. It was a beautiful story. I <laughs> so you deserve a, a, a tip. So we know that the Megillah can't be just a Shana Maisa. It can't be just a regular story. If it's a regular story that doesn't have deep, mystical, godly secrets that are pertinent in all generations, um, it, would, it, would not, um, it would not be included in, in, in Scripture. Uh, it would not be part of, part of Tanakh. In order to be part of Tanakh, it has to be, it has to be a locus. It has to be getlech. So the Gemara says that Esther was written Beruach HaKodesh. And Rabbi Akiva, and there's different proofs of how do you know it was written Beruach HaKodesh with a divine inspiration. So one of the proofs Rabbi Akiva says is because it says, Vatihi Esther One of the verses of Megillah Esther is that Esther found favor in the eyes of whoever saw her. Whoever saw Esther was enamored by her beauty, was taken by her. So from there we see it was written Baruch HaKadosh. What does that mean? Because Bepashtas, how do you know that Esther found favor in the eyes of everybody that saw her? How would we know that? I mean, we know she found favor in the eyes of Ahasuerus. He, 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 um, he married her. But, but how do you know that everybody that saw her? How would we know that? He's saying truth. It's not like, you know, Stama, you know it's not written in a magazine over here. We're writing this in, in, the, in, a, in a book. So in a, in a kids Kodesh, it has to be emes. It's not some, it's not an exaggeration. Everybody liked her. How do you know that? Ah, so you have to have 
inside information from, from someone who knows the thoughts of every human being, who can say that everybody that saw Esther was taken by her, by her grace. So that's how you know it was Ruch HaKadosh. So Reb Zevvolv of Zhitomer, one of the great Hasidic masters, writes a sefer called Oyr HaMeir. It's one of the, one of the fundamental Sifrei Hasidus of a student of the Mizritcha Magid. So he, he write, he has, in a Sefer Oramayer, he has a whole section on Megillah Esther. I never saw it until uh, just yesterday. I mean, I, I have the Sefer here, but I opened it up uh, just in the last two days, and I was reading some of what he asked, of amazing teachings on Megillah Esther. So he explains this to me as follows. He brings this idea that when Esther was asking to be included in Lodoros, it meant that when you read the Megillah, you're not reading an ancient story, you're reading a living story, a story that's talking to you today, not some story that happened in Persia. It's the living, like we, we you know, in Chabad, they show every Matzah Shabbos um, a, a, a video from the Rebbe, and they call it the living Torah, because that's what the thing the Rebbe does in, in the teachings and all the Fabrengans is he shows you how Torah is speaking to you. Torah is alive, Torah is current, it's not an old story. So, Bechlal, that's what tzaddikim are. They're here to reveal, the, as I mentioned earlier, the Alter Rebbe would read the story. You, you see the living, you, you feel the, 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 you feel the uh, current, the godly current that's running through, the electric current, the, the, the current of divinity that's running through it. So when Esther was asking to be written Lodoris, he says it's because that it should, and basically she asked the rabbis, you write it in a way that it should contain with it message, messages for every generation. And Jews should be able to be inspired by this story forever and ever. So he says, that's what Rabbi Akiva says. How do you know it was written with Ruach HaKodesh? He says, because And the simple meaning is that Esther, Esther, if we're just reading again, if you're learning the Gemara as a simple thing, as a story of what, what, what once happened, yeah, the Gemara is saying that Esther found favor, Esther Hamalka, Queen Esther, who lived in Persia 2,000 years ago, whatever, 2,500 years ago, um, she found favor in anybody that saw her. But he learns it with a current meaning. He says, no, how do you know that Esther was written in Ruach HaKodesh? He says, because Esther finds favor in anybody that sees it. That means that, he says, we see something very interesting, that the Jewish people love Megillah Esther. And that throughout all of history, there are so many books written on deep inspiration and deep um, 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 guidance in which Jews found incredible um, instructions and guidance in their service of Hashem from Megillah Esther. And Jews love the Megillah, Megillah Esther. So Vati Esther is not referring to Esther Hamalka. It's referring Megillah Esther. This Megillah finds favor in the eyes of everybody that looks at it. Everybody that looks into it can see that it has, that it's speaking to them personally. Um, definitely if we open up Hasidic writings um, and we can feel the energy that's coming off it and as they capture the, the godly current uh, energy that's flowing through the Megillah system. So let's see if we can capture some of that current story of the Megillah Sester. Not just an ancient story, but like also regarding the Megillah Sester, the famous teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, in which it says, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, If you read the Megillah 
Lemafreya, simply it means backwards. You read the end of the story first and you go back. You read it from the back cover. Uh, backwards, you didn't fulfill your mitzvah. You're supposed to read the, the Megillah in the right order. And the famous teaching of the Baal Shem Tov is, if you read the, the Megillah Lemafreya as a story that happened a long time ago, like the Mithla Rebbe said, Ashena Maisa, a nice story, but you're not reading it as, as a living Torah, as a, as a lesson to you today, uh, then you haven't fulfilled your, 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 your mitzvah. It's the idea. Esther has to find favor in your eyes. We have to see it as, a, as, as something meaningful to us today. So let's see, try to find the Megillah Esther of 5781. What, what is it now? What is it today? This year it's also not the Megillah of last year. This year it's, it's the Megillah Esther of 5781. And boy, is it a Megillah. So what's the Megillah of now? At least with our li- limited, um, limited abilities. Let's try to dig it out. So, um, interesting, going back to the Sefer Oyer HaMohir. Oyer HaMohir means a light that is illuminating. Oh, what a powerful Sefer. It could be a little harsh. I, I do, I've been looking around. I see he's Hasidus, but like intense Musa at certain points. Um, so, uh, but at the beginning, the opening of Megillah Sester, he opens with a phenomenal teaching. And it's interesting that I saw in Oyer HaTayra from the Tzemach Tzedek, totally unrelated, in, 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 in Parshas Lech Lecha, uh, where it talks about the, the four kings, the war of the four kings and the five kings, uh, and the Pasuk begins, Rafael, it was in the days of Amrafel, that Tzemach Tzedek brings the Pirush of the Oyer HaMoyer. Now, I don't know, I didn't check if in the Oyer HaMoyer he says the same Pirush in Parshas Lech Lecha, we'll see in a minute, or it's actually from this piece that I, that I merited to come across today, but something very, very meaningful. So the Tzemach Tzedek actually quotes this Er HaMoyer that I just had seen, and unbeknown to me that I would, when I was looking at that Sefer, that I would make this uh, Shidduch. In any case, um, he asks the question, what does it mean, like, he be a mei Achashverosh? It was in the days of Achashverosh. Um, since when are the days of the world called after Achashverosh? It's the days, the days of who? We know that God created the world for the merit of because of the Jewish people and for the great saintly people who serve Hashem. So if it says, Avraham, that makes sense. In our case, it was the days of Mordechai Esther. That's days. They leave such an imprint. They leave, you say, the days of the Baal Shem Tov. It wasn't the days of Reb Shimon Bar Yochai <laughs> in the days of King David. These are people who we can characterize the era and the time for them, because they're the, the, the primary energy in the world, the godly energy in the world. What kind of business is this? The days of Achashverosh, that we define the time by Achashverosh, who is a wicked person, and as I'm going to say, just say, Melech Tipeshaye, he was a foolish person. Why, why, why does he become the, 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 uh, the um, definitive factor of, of the time? That's a good question. And especially since you have other people to call, Yibimei Mordechai, Yibimei Esther. What, what's this, Yibimei Achashverosh? That's a good question. And he asks it on, we find it other times, Vayibimei Am, that's why I mentioned earlier, Vayibimei Am Rafael. It was in the days of Am Rafael. Who's Am Rafael? He's, he's Nimrod. Why is Nimrod the, the, um, the, uh, the label of the time when he lived an empty, meaningless existence? When we should look at people who, who actually use their life to do something 
fantastic and something godly and make an incredible contribution to the world. And that exactly is his answer. He says an amazing answer. He says, what is time in general? Hashem creates time. Hashem creates days. Yomim Yitzaru. Hashem made days. And what's the point of time? V'loy echad bahem. And the point of the days is we should reveal the echad in them. So Hashem creates, as it says in Pirkei Yav, everything that God creates, He creates it to reveal His glory and reveal to us His. So when Hashem creates time and days, the days, like we say, the heavens relate His honor. The days relate Hashem's honor. As we say, um, uh, every day has its unique unique expression of godliness every day Hashem changes the times and the seasons and every season reflects and expresses some other of the Midos of Hashem's attributes if we, if, and if we tap into this it's also in the Megillah which it says he actually brings it it just went through a bunch of pieces where he's just, just such amazing insights he says, and says later that Achashverus says to the to his uh, his ministers that are sitting with him. He says, Yoidei those who know the times. And he says that's what a Jew has to be. A Jew has to be someone who knows the times. You don't just go through the year like a zombie. You, you, you're supposed to sensitize yourself to the various different energies. And every yomtiv has its energy, has its time. Every has its unique unique flavor. It has its unique godly flow. And a person has to tune into this. He says, not like people who just all year long, I told you, he's a little harsh in his book, but he says people who all year long, you know, it doesn't make a difference to them. It's Pesach, it's Sukkot, it's Jewish, you know, they follow the, the halacha, they do the minute, but it's not like it, they're not living in a different energy, in a different zone, and we're supposed to live in a different zone. Um, it's interesting how the, uh, it says regarding the, 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 the tribe of Yisachar that they knew, they knew the times. They knew the times. Simply it means that they were the ones who would set the calendar. They were the great Sanhedrin who would sit and decide the calendar. But the, the, the deeper meaning is they knew the secrets of the divine names, of the various different spiritual qualities of, of every moment and of every day, which is interesting that the Bnei Yisachar, who made the book called Bnei Yisachar, one of the fascinating elements of this book is that it, he knows the times. He goes through the times of the year and reveals gems upon gems of the deep spiritual qualities and energies of all the time. And even more than that, I would say the Lubavitcher Rebbe in his, in his Fabrengans, if you take a look at the Rebbe in his Fabrengans, you see an amazing thing. The Rebbe doesn't only talk about the Yom Tev, the Rebbe talks about every Yom Tev, every year it's different based on if it came out on a Tuesday, if it came out on a Wednesday, if it's Tuesday, Wednesday, like for example in the last Sichas he's talking about how Chodesh Ador falls out this year and it falls out on a, on, a, on a Tuesday and a Wednesday. So that's what's the lesson you learn out from? What's the unique energy of Gimel and Dalit and so on? And sometimes he makes the... If, you, if anybody looking at the Rebbe's Fabregans can see that the first, sometimes one or two sichas, the Rebbe would speak and they would sing and they would speak. First two sichas generally of every Fabregan was, I'm not going to say every, but a good chunk of them, was usually to first explain the dynamics of the time of like all the different energies that are creating a powerful um, um, spiritual light and, a, and, a, and an empowerment for us to open ourselves up to, to tap that energy, 
And the Rebbe would never suffice just with becoming energetic and being filled with spiritual um, um, ecstasy or, 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 or elevation. The Rebbe would always direct it, direct it, it has to translate into action to infuse certain actions and contributions to the world that we make based on this energy. But in any case, um, the, 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 so that's the idea. Time, every day, going back to the concept, Every day is supposed to manifest and bring forth uh, the various different elements of Hashem's glory and Hashem's kingship. Malchuscha, the Eberst is Malchus, Malchus Kalalamim, that is the kingship of all the worlds, worlds of time and space. So all the elements of days, every day has its unique expression of God's kingship. Now, we, the Jewish people, are meant to be the facilitators of that in our service. As, as, as we said earlier, as we tap into the unique energies of the time and serve God and, and reveal His unique um, greatness. And as we, we, we make a Kiddush Hashem, we express this godliness. The whole world does, but the Jewish people in particular, in our service of Hashem, based on the various seasons of the year, we express and reveal God's kingship to the world. It says, if we're the Jewish people are a little lax in that, and it's not exactly, we're not defining the time. The time is not kind of being, in other words, we're not justifying Hashem creating this particular <clears throat> season, this particular chunk of time, because we're not using it up to the, to the fullest and to the max in revealing godliness through it. So then Hashem works through a roundabout way. He will project His kingship on the world through a back channel, not through a front channel. And that is by getting someone else that will get the spotlight. In other words, it's supposed to be the Jewish people are supposed to have the spotlight. If we're serving Hashem the way we're supposed to, we're the spotlight for the rest of the world. We're that great illumination. But if we're not serving him and therefore don't deserve God forbid that the spotlight should be the channel of his kingship should be coming through us and since it really does have to come through us so there is now a back channel and what does the back channel do? the back channel is going to work in a way where someone else is going to get the attention and that eventually is going to drive us to be doing what we need to do and that happened for instance he says in the days of Paro so, if, because when there was a certain lull in our, in our spiritual standing, so God funnels his kingship and his through Paro. And Paro becomes the dominating factor in the news. We're paying attention to Paro, not to the Jewish people. But what does Paro in the end do through his oppression of the Jewish people and so on and so forth, eventually brings the Jewish people closer to God. As Chazal say on the Pasuk, Uparoi Hikriv. Uh, Paro was chasing after the Jewish people. Rashi brings it. It should have said, oh, Paro Karav. So Paro is chasing after Jewish people, and Paro is catching up to them. They're moving slowly with their families. He's coming with the best, you know, with the, with the fastest uh, uh, horses and, and, and chariots, and they're rolling really fast, and he's, and, he's, and he's shortening the distance. He's getting closer and closer and closer. So it should have said, oh, Paro Karav. Paro is getting close. Paro Hikrav means he made come close. So the sages learn out. Paro affected the Jewish people to do, to, to do tshuva because they cried out to God. At those moments, they were the closest to Hashem, one of the closest moments because they were at the threat of annihilation and that's what kind of scared them and woke them up and brought them to tshuva. So now we understand why Paro was, was in power in the first place. 
because God's kingdom needed to be revealed in the world. And as we see, that in moments after that, when the sea split, because of Paro, forcing the Jewish people to do tshuva, when we did tshuva, we called out to Hashem, and we got so close, and we brought down an incredible miracle, and which involved the destruction of Pharaoh, which brought to the incredible um, display of God's kingship in the world, where the Jewish people sang, Hashem yimloch la'olam vad, God is king forever and ever. So that kingship was revealed in the world. Through who? Through Paro. So that's why it's the days of Paro. Even though it doesn't say anywhere specifically in the Torah, Paro, but that's the idea. If Paro becomes the, 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 the dominating um, um, element of time of the days. And that's how he says is the meaning of Bimei Amraphel in the days of Amraphel and the days of Nimrod. And he says the same is the story of Bimei Achashverosh. You know, um, we were kind of like, you know, tuning out. We were asleep. As we know, one of the reasons Hashem is sleeping is when we're sleeping. As it also says, when it says, Yeshna Amechad, there is one people, Chazal learned out, Yeshenim. The word Yeshna also means from the word Yashen. Yashen means sleeping. The Jewish people are asleep. Our observance. So we weren't, we weren't active. We weren't revealing godliness in the world. So we needed a little shake-up. And the shake-up came through Achashverosh. And it then came through... through so in the end, Achashverosh is just a puppet. Achashverosh is just an actor. He's just a, a channel, a funnel for God's kingship to be revealed to the world. And that's what happened when the miracle of... When as a result of Haman and his decree... And again, that he woke up the Jewish people from the deepest slumber, and we came so close to God, and the tshuva was so intense, and the Messiah Snefesh, the self-sacrifice was so powerful. So this was an unbelievable display of godliness for the entire world. And what did it bring us? It brought us this energetic holiday of Purim, and who is the, who is the one who did it all? Achashverosh. It's not that Achashverosh did it, it's God doing it through Achashverosh. And therefore, it's by May Achashverosh, it's in the days of Achashverosh, because he's, it's his days. Not really him, but something being done through him. But since he is the, since he is the, um, the conduit or the channel, even though he's totally oblivious to it. In other words, and that's what it means. was in the days of Chashverosh. So he learns a very deep idea. It's on those days Achashverosh is sitting on the throne of God, meaning it's really the throne. If God, if things are the way they should be, then who is sitting on the throne of Hashem? Hashem is sitting on His own throne. Hashem's kingship doesn't have to come to the world through a back channel, through a king like Achashverosh. It doesn't have to be what we call, that's called Golos HaShechina, that the Shechina goes to exile. That too is in order to reveal the Shechina, to reveal her power, to reveal her malchus, her kingship in the world. But it's, it's coming through, it's camouflaged. It's camouflaged in order that in the end it will be revealed for the purpose of revelation. It's a concealment, it's a yerida, it's a descent for the sake of an aliyah, but it is a temporary ascent. Really, it should be in the way that Hashem's kingship is manifest, uncamouflaged, unconcealed, unobscured, in a very open and revealed way. But, in those days, sadly, and that's why it says vayehi, he says, vayehi always means it's painful. Vayehi, it's a painful thing. Vahaya is a Lashon Simcha, the sages say. Vayehi is a Lashon of pain. It's painful when God's manifestation in the world comes through the wicked. Someone who's a Melech Tipish, someone who should never have been, 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 been as, is, is, is a fool and doesn't deserve to be a king, but, 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 but is a king and capturing all the attention and like driving the whole world insane. So why? 
because Hashem puts him on God's kingship through him Hashem's kingship will be revealed um, at a certain point of course it stops being about Ahasuerus it starts to change and like it becomes the days of Purim it becomes the days of Mordechai and Esther not the days of Ahasuerus but for, for a period of time it was the days of Ahasuerus and I wanted to mention something earlier Ahasuerus is a fool he doesn't realize that it's not about him it's about God he, he attributes the power to himself and that's why in the third year of his kingdom it's not occurring to him that he's here for some higher purpose he attributes all that power and he makes a party to show the whole world as, as Ashroi, his wealth, what does the, the Megillah say? He's, 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 uh, he wants to show the honor of his own kingdom, not realizing that and the glory of his own, of his own splendor, of his own kingdom, not realizing that he's just a, an outside peel, just a little klipa to uncover God's, God's malchus. And in the end, what he did reveal is Hashem's rich kingdom. But, in his mind, that's why it says Yamim Rabim many days. The Yamim Rabim Rabim represents the Sitra Akhra, the other side. In other words, the days are really in, at its core, it's God's days, but he's hijacking the days. That it's already Yamim multiple, because in Kadusha everything is unified. In Klippa everything is fragmented. Over here it's Yamim Rabim many days, because Achashverish didn't see it, in a, it from the unified perspective, from the place of unity. He saw it from the place of of Rishus Arabim, of the, of, the multiple, of the multiple domain. In any case, but it doesn't stay like this. What does it say later? It says, after the Jewish people start waking up, because the decree came about, Esther, right? Haman, we, we, go, we go further into the Megillah, three chapters. We get to the point where Haman makes, makes this horrific decree. And Mordechai goes out and awaken, starts awakening the Jewish people. Gives a cry and he and he and he are blowing the shofar in a sense of waking the Jewish people up to tshuva. So what happens? Esther says, um, "Go and and fast for me three days." Go gather the Jewish people. Oh, we're beginning to pull back the energy. The moment the Jewish people are waking up and they're making this three-day fast and they're turning to God, there's no need anymore for Achashverosh, right? Fast upon me, fine. Don't eat and drink three days. I'll do the same thing. Okay. Then what does it say? It was on the third day. And Esther dressed herself with kingship. And she's standing in the courtyard of the king. Hapnimis, the inner court, Noichach Beis Hamelach, opposite the, the, the king's inner room. Vamelach Yoishev al Kusei Malchusai, and the king is sitting on the throne of his, on his uh, royal throne. The Beis Hamalchus in the palace, Noichach Pesach Abayis, opposite the entrance of the house. So, based on what we just said before, the great, the Oyer Hamir, again, Reb Zevolf of Zhetomir, says, what happened now? Things are returning. The Shekhinah is undressing. The Golos HaShekhinah is ending. We're, we're bringing the Malchus back to its appropriate place. And that's the meaning of Vatilbash Esther Malchus. Esther is now rising, and instead of having this ugly vessel, Achashverosh, which is called Golos HaShekhinah, that the, that, the, that the power of kingship is vested in the Klippah, 
Esther is now, now that we're doing tshuva, Esther Amalka, Tzitkaniyas, right? Big Tzadikas, a Jewish woman, which women Bechlal represent Malchus. Jews are recapturing Malchus. Vatilbash Esther Malchus. Esther is dressing, she's becoming the conduit. This physical Esther, Tzadikas, holy Jewish woman, she's capturing Sviris Amalchus back to its place. And, and, uh, and therefore, when it, it says, oh, once Esther took the Malchus, Vahamelech Yoshev al Kisei Malchusei. It doesn't say Vahamelech Achashverosh, the King Achashverosh, because it's no more Achashverosh. Vahamelech is referring to Malchus Shaloylam, it's referring to God. Yoshev al Kisei Malchusei. Instead of Achashverosh, Yoshev al Kisei Malchusei, that Achashverosh is singing, sitting on God's throne. Instead of Achashverosh singing, sitting on God's throne, now the Hamelech, the Abishter, God Himself, is restored to His throne, and He is sitting the base Malchusai on His, in His, in His um, um, palace, the base Hamalchus in the house of the king, Noichach Pesach Habayis, opposite the 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 the, the and an interesting Rambamtoli of Rapshitz also talks about the same thing in Sefer Zerah Kodesh. I did a, a, a serious um, um, study of, uh, of all, all the Hasidic works um, that I don't always get to because Chabad Hasidus has so much I sometimes don't uh, pay that much attention but I decided for Purim that I would like to um, you know, catch up on so much that's out there. And um, so um, the, the, the Holy Rapshitzer, uh, the Maftali of Rapshitz and Sefer Zerah Kodesh on Purim He's learning the same idea. How, how Esther is 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 uh, to, to add. I'll add to the word, to the to the idea, to this concept. He says that it's interesting. He says that it says on the words Vatilbash Esther that Esther dressed Malchus. Rashi says, Rabbi Seinu Amru. The sages say, Shalav Shesa. She dressed Ruach Hakodesh. That she dressed Ruach Hakodesh. When it says she got dressed with Malchus, means she dressed herself in the holy, in, in a in a spirit of holiness, which is the. So. He asks an interesting lush, and it's a little something is off over here. Shalav shesa, she dressed the ruach hakodesh. Literally, it means that there is ruach hakodesh, and she is dressing ruach hakodesh. It should have been the opposite. It should have been that she dressed herself. Shenislapsha, she became dressed with Ruach HaKodesh. She was elevated and became kind of in, enveloped in Ruach HaKodesh. She, gained, she, got, she got into a very, very holy state and she was kind of absorbed in this power of Ruach HaKodesh. But that's not what it says. I mean, that means that Ruach HaKodesh is dressing her. She's enclosed in Ruach HaKodesh. But it doesn't say that. She is dressing Ruach HaKodesh. So he explains, again, the similar to this, it's the same concept, the same idea that we were just mentioning. He said that by tzaddikim, there's no such a thing as their hand. You know, everything in the physical world is just a manifestation of of a of, a, of an energy. So if you have a physical hand, it's the physical hand. Physical hand doesn't ex, ex, doesn't begin in physicality. Your right hand, the right hand of a human being, is chesed. And, and, and now it, it, it gets dense and thick and, and, and uh, 
comes down as a solid piece of uh, material in this world where it's a hand. And, but what's the content of this hand, even when it's in the physical world? It's to do chesed, to do kindness, to write a check for tzedakah, to give tzedakah, to help another Jew. That's the whole purpose of your hand, of your right hand. The right hand is chesed. Now, there is the chesed as we, human chesed. And then there is chesed as it is, um, um, what's it called again, actualized in a, in, a, in a notch higher than this world, which is in the world of Yetzirah, which is a higher form of chesed, a spiritual chesed. And then there is a higher chesed in the world of Bria, in the world of creation. And there is a higher chesed as it is in Atzilus, where it's God's hand, Mamish, nothing but Hashem's hand. And really, at the, and, and they go higher and higher within, within, within chesed itself, within the levels of chesed. There is lower levels of chesed and higher levels of chesed all the way up, right? So by us, you know, there is a certain disconnect. We're, we're not necessarily synchronized. So not all of our limbs are constantly in tune with what we say is just be a manifestation of the divine. But by tzaddikim, he says, they tune in completely. They don't move their limbs unless it's perfectly synchronized with the spiritual source of what it is. And then their physical hands or body, anything in their body, is just an expression of the divine. That's what's so great about looking at a physical tzaddik. Why, 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 why were chassidim from all the time always enamored to sit and can sit for hours and just look at the tzaddik? Why? Because when you're looking at the tzaddik, you're looking at divinity. Because every movement of the tzaddik is not, is not himself. He's a, he's a chariot. He's a merkava. He's a funnel. And therefore, the physical movements of the tzaddik are tuned into the nuances of divine because he has no ego. And that's what he says happened over here. Esther dressed Ruach HaKodesh, which means the power of Ruach HaKodesh, which is the power of Malchus, of the Shekhinah, which is Ruach HaKodesh, which is the Shekhinah, was now vested in Esther. Esther Esther's physical body is now a complete conduit and a complete expression of the Shekhinah. And therefore, everything Esther is doing physically in this world is is also reflecting of what's taking place in the highest realms of existence. It's a perfect flow. And therefore, as Esther is standing, he, the, 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 the holy Rapshitzer adds, when, when Esther is standing, noichach, peneha bayist, indicating that she's standing in front of the Ebersh, in front of God, he says the word noichach stands for nishmas kolchai, the, the, the acronym of the word noichach, nishmas kolchai, the soul of every living being. Because... The Shekhinah is the source of all souls. And at this moment, Esther is the embodiment of the Shekhinah. And therefore, she includes within herself, Noichach, she stood herself into a state that she is the embodiment of all neshamas of all the Jewish people. And she's pleading and she's davening for God. Ta'ashem, for the, for, the, for the... And he adds an interesting idea. And that's the, why, the reason why when Esther instructed Mordechai that the Jewish people should fast, she says an interesting thing. She says, Vitsumu and fast a lie on me, don't eat and don't drink. What is the significance of the meaning, vitsumu a lie? Fast for me. They weren't fasting for her. I know she was the one who was the agent. She was going to go and do something very daring, and she, God forbid, can get into trouble. But they're, they're in trouble. They're in hot water just like she is. She might get killed. They also might all get killed. Even if she's un not successful, and God forbid Haman has it his way, they're all going to be annihilated. So why are they praying that God should remove the decree? So they're not praying for her. They're praying for themselves. Vitsumi, and we should all fast. That Hashem should be mevatel degzer. That Hashem should nullify the bad, the, the negative decree. And of course, you know Esther won't be harmed. They won't be harmed. Why is she emphasizing fast upon me? And the answer to that is is that Esther was giving them instructions on how to make sure the prayer was going to be successful. Because we know that when we pray um, for our own 
needs, there's always a there is always a question above. There is always a consideration. What's the consideration? Should it be fulfilled? Should it not be fulfilled? And it depends on the worthiness. Who says you're worthy to live? We don't know. Sometimes a person has uh, flitched. God forbid, a person has lost their merit. And that's why there's always judgments. I mean, hopefully, you know, the judgment is always, it comes out in favor. You know, if it's at Kenu Bamishpat, we should come out uh, uh, um, um, uh, 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 virtuous. But it's, it's, it's always questionable. That's when we are praying, however, for our own. But when we're praying for God's honor or for something for the divine, then, 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 then God is always worthy. There's no, there's no consideration, yes or no. In other words, when, when the, the purpose and the inner um, request is not about us, but it's about Hashem, save us for your sake, that prayer is always answered. And that's why when we daven, we should always, like it says a word from the Magid, that um, it's, a pasuk, it's a Mishnah in Masech um, Brachas, the beginning of the fifth chapter. Do not, we don't stand up to daven um, only with a seriousness. Simply, you shouldn't start davening when you're in a frivolous state. You know, you're laughing, you're in a jolly, you're supposed to be besimcha, but not in a frivolous state, a lightheadedness. Be serious. Because know who you're standing for in prayer. That's a simple meaning. Koivid Rosh means a seriousness, a heavy, a heavy head. The the the, the Mizricha Magid says, you're not allowed to start davening koivid. When you're gonna daven for something that's hurting you, don't daven in the pain that it's that that you're having. Daven because when you're in pain, God's in pain. So koivid, because of the heaviness. Roish, that this is causing in the head. Who's the head? Hashem, the Shekhinah is the head. God says when a person, every time a person is in pain, Hashem says, Kalani Meroishi, I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing pain. It's God's pain. So when a person wants to alleviate um, Hashem's pain, that's what you're dominating for, like the, um, like the, the, like the, like Tzadikim, Tzadikim are that way. They're selfless. They're utterly selfless. And even if they can be in the worst pains, it hurts them that it's hurting God, not so much that, it, not, not that it's hurting them. The famous um, um, saying from the Holy Ruzhin, Rabbi Yisrael of Ruzhin, when he was arrested and he was sitting in, in jail, um, he said, Gam ki even when I go in the shadows of death, ira, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. Ra, what is bad for me? What hurts me? Ki madi, that you're with me. <laughs> we would be happy. He'd say, God, you're with me, so I'm good. Because I'm suffering, at least you're suffering with me. So at least you know my suffering. But a tzaddik is the opposite. That, I, that, that I'm in pain and I'm, I'm, like, I'm, 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 I'm very uncomfortable? No. After all, what do I deserve? But ra, what hurts me? Simply you read the verse, I don't fear bad. You put the comma after the word, why don't I fear bad? Because I take comfort that you're with me. But the deeper meaning, again, according to the how the holy Ruzhiner was reading it because that's who he was, a utter selfless being, Tashem, who loves God more than he loves himself, as it says in the Zohar. Kibra, like a child, it speaks about the love that Moshe Rabbeinu had to God, had for God. That it says, Kibra, like a, like a child, that, 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 that diligently works for his father and mother. He loves them, he loves them more than he loves his own body. So the so the, the holy Ruzhiner says, Gam even when I'm suffering, I, I'm not afraid. 
But you know what does hurt me to no end? Ra, what is bad? You're with me, because wherever I am, you are, and you're in pain if I'm in pain. So the Rapshitzer says, again, Hasidism is all, is all selfless. The, the entire Teresa Hasidus is the selflessness of the soul for God and for the Jewish people and the like. Because the Hasidus is Neshama, and Neshama is selfless. Neshama is the opposite of density, of thickness, of ego. It's the opposite. And Hasidus is the, is the, is the, is the, is the revelation of soul. So the Rapshitzer says that when, when Esther tells the Jewish people to pray, she says, the, I want to teach you what to say. Tsumu, and you should fast. Alive for me. And she doesn't mean, <laughs> when she said for me, she's not, she doesn't mean for me because I'm in danger. Achashverosh might remove, my, God forbid, he might behead me. That's not what she's saying. At this moment, she, she, she became the, as we said earlier, the tilbash Esther Malchus. Esther is now the garment for Ruach HaKodesh, for Malchus. Malchus is now invested in her. The Shekhinah is invested in her. She's not her. She's the Shekhinah at this moment. And at this moment, when she's praying, so she says, Vitsumi, and when you're going, Vitsumu, and you should fast, alive for me, which means that in your prayers, it shouldn't be that you should have a salvation, but that this, for, the, for the sake of the Shekhinah. Why is it for the sake of the Shekhinah? What does the Shekhinah have to do with it? So we can say, like we said earlier, because when the Jews are suffering, the Shekhinah is suffering. But he says even more than that. The Shekhinah is God's, as we spoke now, God's attribute of kingship. God's kingship is only manifest and revealed through the Jewish people. We are his, his subjects in this world, revealing his kingship to the entire world. No Jews, no kingship. That's it. There's, God has no, no representatives. We are the ambassadors of Hashem in this world. God forbid an annihilation of the Jews means an annihilation of, of, of Hashem in the world. That's why one of the things that Mordechai did was he canceled Pesach. Uh, that's what it, part of this idea when they, when they made the three-day fast, he canceled Pesach. And the reason he canceled Pesach was because he was going to say to Hashem, you know what, next year there won't be Pesach. Just like this year, you know, if, you, if, you, if, this, if this happens, there is no Passover. All the pleasure and joy you get from the Passover and the Seder and the mitzvahs we do and all of that, which expresses your kingship and your glory, gone, it won't be here. So this is what Esther's telling them. You're praying that you shouldn't be annihilated, not because you care, not, it's not about you being annihilated, it's about the Shekhinah being annihilated from this world if there is no Jewish people. Vitsumu, and you should fast, or lie on me. Now she continues, and she says, and I, now this is an interesting idea, the word ani is a is is always associated with the shechina. Shechina is called ani. Vani tefila, I am prayer. Not going to get into it. Why shechina is called ani, but that's what it is. It's, it says in, in Hasidus and Kabbalah that the word ani is referring to shechina. So the gamani and also I, the shechina, who is Esther now. I will also fast so. In other words, I will fast on your behalf. As you're praying for me and I'm praying on your behalf. And this is evoking, of course, in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the infinite one, the, the, the great salvation that was going to come to the Jewish people. Um, but what is the lesson over here? What is the idea over here? The idea over here is that when we watching world events, dominating world events, especially dramatic world events, um, it is 
and whether it's you know different changes of governments and things like that, and political upheavals and strong wars, whether it's a physical war or a political wars, and when you can sense this, this and with the, like what we've sensed in the last few years, especially in the last year, with this whole energy and this whole, and um, everybody knows my opinion. I'm not happy with uh, things that the way they are now. I was pretty happier when things were in the old, uh, in the previous, in the previous um, government. Um, but even, but that's the problem. Sometimes we get carried away a little bit with the shliach and realize it's not the shliach, it's the mishaleach. It's the, it's the one who's, who's really behind it all, that's God. And Hashem's kingship is not, it's not about this one or about that one. It's, it's the Abish they're doing something. And the powers that sometimes think they have power, even if it's someone who is a Haman and is, God forbid, seeming to be an independent power with independent uh, mind doing their own thing, it shouldn't cross our minds for half a second. That's not true. So I'll give you a simple example. Right now, uh, after we've watched the miracles of the miracles of the last couple of years, where there was a complete um, choking, literally a suffocation of the nation that we're reading about in the Megillah Sesta, which are the Iranians and the Persians, um, in which they were at the brink of demise, uh, the brink of collapse. Quite on the contrary, we've seen such miracles of alliances that were being formed of millions of different, of pe uh, millions of people that till now have not been friendly to the Jewish people, have joined in an alliance, and we've seen the shift in the Middle East, the empowerment of the forces of good over the forces of evil, the weakening of all powers of evil, whether it be Hamas, whether it be the PA, whether it be um, 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 Iran and Syria, and all these, the forces, the axes of evil there becoming so weakened to the brink of almost, and the killing of their general and their nuclear scientist, and like it was, in a sense, in the last couple of years, we saw already like like the brewing of the redemption, of all the things, and suddenly, trach, bang. It seems like everything flips over suddenly on the other end. And right now, they're talking about going back into this, into this whatever they call it, J-O-P, whatever, ridiculous deal of the Obama years. It's frightening. And it could be very intimidating. And we could be, God forbid, thinking that, uh, you know, we're going backwards. We're going back into the dark days. And they seems like they want, God forbid, resurrect the Iranians. And the Iranians, are, they know the game. They're, they're, they're amazing how they're playing this, 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 this horrible, uh, uh, I would say nothing else, but Melech Tipish, this absolute foolishness, a foolishness that's now occupying uh, Washington. And what do you see? They're, they're playing them. You know, we're not even, you know, yeah, you come running after us. Beg us. And they know they're going to beg because they need to score some points. They need something to show they're doing something. Oh yeah, we got Iran. We got Iran to the table. Iran is gone. What are you bringing them to the table now? So you're going to now release again and open up their their funding. That God forbid they'll 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 go. It's so insane. So when we watch this, it can be terrifying. It can be fear. It can be scary. What's Haman doing again in the in in the, in the world? Why is Amalek gaining such power and gaining such strength? So what we have to realize is that even when it's it's and even if it looks like they're doing their, their own thing, it's like with the story of, uh, of Haman. Haman gains power and then he builds his own gallows. That he prepared for himself. There's a certain power. 
and um, it really is a power associated with Amalek. It's important to know this. Amalek is the one that cannot stand the coming of Mashiach because the coming of Mashiach is the manifestation of God's kingship in the world. Unadulterated, unobscured, unhidden. Hashem That's Mashiach. And the first powerful revelation of Hashem's kingdom in the world was by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim when we went out of Egypt. And at that time, what happened? Amalek stood up in... Now, again, and was like spectacular. God is king. We were ready to go build a temple and the whole world would be under the, the impression of Hashem's kingship. And that's it. We would have the full tikkun. The world would be what the world needs to be. We can start the messianic era right then and there. Had we gone into the land of Israel immediately, what happened? Vayavei Amalek. Amalek came in and... Shekar chabaderech. They, they, they made you cold, but the ikr is they, they, as it says in the sages say, they cooled the, the boiling hot water that everybody was intimidated. Like it, the, the Mara brings a, an example of a, of, a, of a hot tub. It's so scor scorching hot that no one dares put their foot into it. But Amalek comes and jumps in. They get burnt. But the fact that they did it, others feel that they can dare the water and they can go in. Same is that no, everybody was impressed by Hashem's power after the, after the ten plagues, after the splitting of the sea. And Amalek confronted. Why? What, what, why is Amalek doing that? They know they're going to get burnt. They knew God is stronger than them. Why do they do it? They do it because they can't stand. They don't want to live a godless, a God-fearing existence. And therefore they want to fight Hashem and not allow Him. They don't want the Beis HaMikdash. And what does it say? Reish is Goyim Amalek. Amalek is at the beginning of time. Amalek doesn't necessarily look very ugly. It doesn't look like a, necessarily like ISIS, you know, chopping people's heads off, you know, and videoing it. That's not necessarily Amalek. And Amalek is an insidious power within the world that wants to stop the Giyula. Why? Does not stand. It wants a God, doesn't want Hashem revealed in this world. Wants to keep God outside of Christ. Doesn't mind God as long as God doesn't mess with daily life down here in this world. As long as in this world we do whatever we want without any conscience. So we're, we, we can take care of our own future. We can rid ourselves from the virus by creating all the vaccines and stuff and doing, and, 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 uh, and you know, and, and, and work things out. We don't need God. And then we can marry whoever we want. We can follow the, our heart's temptations. We can destroy, because, you know, as long as most humans have some fear of God in their hearts and some sense of morality that, that God wants a family structure, and that's the way God manifests in the world, through the beautiful families of humanity, where we educate and raise healthy children that have a, a good morality and a good ethics and a fear of God in their hearts. But if you don't want that because you're uncomfortable that others believe in God, because you realize when, when there's one person believing in God and one person that, 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 that it, 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 it creates a presence of God in the world makes you uncomfortable, because you know it's true. Just you're trying to ignore it, and you know that after 120, um, you're going to have to deal with this truth. You're going to have to face up. You're going to have to answer. So you don't want a reminder. That's the point. When you're a godless person in this world, you don't want God mentioned anywhere. So you want to destroy marriage completely. You don't want anybody to have a moral compass of what's considered... what, yeah. and, and based on what? The discrimination against people's preferences? Yeah, because there's a God who created the world and He decided that marriage is between a man and a woman. He decided that if you have a fetus... No such a thing as an accidental fetus. I'm not talking about a rape, but extreme case. 
check with the halachic authority. I'm talking about a normal case where a person just wasn't careful or wasn't expecting and ended up pregnant and just wants to get rid of it because it's just uncomfortable for them. God doesn't want that. God wants a world of morality, a world of respect and dignity for human life, a world where you don't murder unborn babies just because they don't, can't defend themselves, a world where there is, as we said earlier, a healthy a, 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 a fear of God, a world where God is mentioned in public schools across the world, and it's, and it's and not forcing it on people, and people, the freedom that people can worship and can openly speak about God and so on and so forth. All of this needs to be eradicated. And all of this needs to be eradicated, and, and primarily, we have to make sure. Today, it was already by the new, uh, what's the name? The new, uh, the new, uh, the new, what was he? Uh, the new, uh, what's his, what's he? Um, I forgot the guy's name. The new uh, Secretary of State. Blinken, I forgot the guy. I'm having such a hard time following the news these days that I don't pay attention and I just read. Um, because I'm so concerned with the world and Mashiach that I do read, but then I get so upset that I can't even read it. But in any case, so he's already saying that the, the, the best way for the, for the, to, to secure Israel is a two-state solution. Thank you very much. And two-state solution by them means very clearly splitting Israel and splitting Jerusalem. And splitting Jerusalem means that the Temple Mount, old Jerusalem, belongs to the Arabs. And if it belongs to the Arabs, it means there's no temple. That means that God doesn't have a home in this world. Let's, not, let's be very clear and let's be very understanding. There's no shadow about this. This is the kavana. This is the intention. And this is why it's Amalek. Nothing less than Amalek, because Amalek can't stand this. And this is a battle. It happens right before Mashiach comes. And this is the story of Purim. Because Purim, at the, because Purim was similar to the right before Mashiach, because Purim was right before the era of the second temple. It's a temple that brings God into the world. It's that main edifice. It's that main seat for Hashem. Every time we're about to build a temple, a Amalek comes in and tries to mess with, with the plan. They did it when we went out of, out of Egypt and we were going to build the first temple. And remember, because Amalek got in the way, it took 800 years till we got a temple built. Or else it would have been much faster. Moshe would have gone in and everything would have been chick-chock. So Amalek messed things up and they, and they, and they delayed it. And then, then later, um, then later, again, by the time of the second base of Mikdash, again Amalek, you know, tries at least to thwart the, 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 the process. And right before Mashiach comes. Be, and now it's, it's coming in all different forms. The main thing is erase God from the world. That's what Amalek wants. So um, Purim is the victory over it. Purim is the power in which we overcome Amalek, the Amalek in the world. And it's so pertinent right now. We have to realize that, that this whole clipper that seems to have grabbed power and it's kind of like thinking that they're gonna, that they're, that they're in control, it's, 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 it's uh, they're, they're gonna fall. They're gonna fall big time. Big, big time. And it's all connected to the miracle of Purim. That's why it's so exciting. We're now in Adar and in Nisan. And even though we just experienced and we saw this year seemingly what seems like when the wicked prosper like, like, like grass, we have to realize that what? It's interesting that I always thought that, that Pei Aleph, which is this year, 81, in addition to being Ploisarenu, uh, right? But we also said that the word spells something negative. It spells af, wrath, anger. And in general, you see, you see wrath. I mentioned this so many times. You don't, you never see so much wrath. 
it hurts me so much to watch in the Jewish world such wrath and anger. Now there's all this wrath and anger coming out. Yes, vaccinate, don't vaccinate. And people are turning against each other with such, because everybody feels like the other person is basically you know, a threat to their life. If you don't vaccinate, you're a murderer because you are, God forbid, you know, causing other people the virus to spread. And the others are saying that if you, and others feel that, the va that, that forcing people to vaccinate is good. Who knows what kind of, what, what this vaccination is. This vaccination might lead uh, to, well, you know, we haven't tested what's going to be in three years from now. Five, and I'm again, I'm not a POSIC. I am not a POSIC and I don't have any right to give my opinion on this. I'm just talking about this, this incredible anger that exists and this hatred, uh, God forbid, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a hatred coming from hatred, it's coming from a good place of concern, I, I hope so, but I'm watching it, I'm watching explosions of fights and animosity and like, and all, it's all based on panic because people don't know what to do with the situation, this is scaring people. Um, I'll, let me take you to uh, Sunday, we had this massive prayer, it was such a deep prayer, it was one of these moments and we talk about davening for the sake of God. This Sunday, the Jewish people prayed for the sake of God. I have to say that, uh, you know, you never know when you're going to pray if God is going to open your heart. I went to the mikveh that day and I begged, please, Hashem, open my heart. I was alone in this room and I prayed and I, it was a very deep prayer. What should I say? My heart opened up. I cried. I was like a very intense. It was like, and, I, and, and what pushed me over the edge at that moment, and it was like so powerful, was that I, a little bit before that I beheld, um, a short time before, not exactly, a fight that, that exactly this, two people innocent, everybody having a good, good thoughts and good intentions, fighting with each other in such an intense, horrific way <laughs> about what? About, about um, whether, you know, uh, to, to, if, if, if you don't vaccinate, you're a murderer, if you do, like, it was so, and I said to myself, if the exile has reached such a point, such a gullus, such an extreme concealment. How can this be? So, um, why am I saying this? Because, um, I don't even remember my, my thought, where, where I got to this. <laughs> um, I don't remember, hold on, let me, let me try to work this, to work this back, where am I going with this? So we're talking about Amalek having a power right before Mashiach comes. And, um, oh, but, 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 but Amalek, again, I, 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 I'm missing a link. <laughs> so I hope uh, you'll, you, uh, that you'll make the link on, I hope the link will, is really there. But it does say an interesting thing, that um, the power of Amalek is very, very strong. They really have a deep spiritual power. That's why it's so dangerous. Amalek is a very, very, they're rooted in a very, very high power. Amalek comes from, from, from Esav, the son of Yitzchak. So they have spiritual origins, really high. It says so much that when Yaakov had a dream, and um, Yaakov had a dream, and in his dream he saw the angels going up and down the ladder. And there were different um, interpretations on that. Um, so. The Medrash says that Yaakov saw all the four exiles. And um, each angel that went up on the ladder was a power of one of the exiles. So he saw the Egyptians go up 210 rungs and then fall down. Then he saw the, the, um, the Babylonian um, Malach go up 70 rungs, fall down. He saw the Persian 
uh, Malach, go up, fall. Then he saw the, the Malach of Edom and go up, 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 up. And um, that angel of Edom wasn't, walking, wasn't falling down. He was going higher and higher and higher. It was completely disproportionate. Higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And Yaakov was shivering and trembling. What, what is this going to last forever? Like we say in Davening, Are you going to forget us for all of eternity? Can, can this, God forbid, happen? And the Ebershter says to Yaakov Avinu, Hashem said to him, he, bring, he told him the Pasuk, it says regarding the fall of Edom, Im tagbihi kenesher, if you're going to lift yourself up like an eagle, Mishama I'm going to throw you down. God takes the angel and throws him down. Why is the angel going up so high? Because it's Amalek. Amalek is the same, is the numeric value of Amalek is the numeric value of the word Ram. Ram means exalted. They are rooted very, very high. And they have enormous power. And um, for that reason, it's frightening. As we said, oh, Oh, I know where I was saying before, coming back. So I was telling you that, which, which relates to this. Um, I was telling you that, 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 that this year was characterized to be a year of 81, the year of Pei Aleph. And Pei Aleph means wrath, means af. But af is going to be flipped over to Ploi Sereno. But I, I, again, it, this popped out to me during davening. I can't, I don't have a source to it, but this was kept, kept on popping out to me during the whole, this whole year. When we say when it talks about the wicked prosper being higher and higher and higher, what's the purpose? God says, they go up so high, but the purpose of it is, is to annihilate them, to destroy them, to wipe them out forever and ever. He knows their very ascent is for the sake of a descent, to break them. So the words that it uses is those who do inequity. Trickery, inequity, you know, that create this dark web for the entire world. They, we they weave it around the entire world and kind of... And again, it's all deception because Esav is the master of deception. So I'm more like it's all with good intentions. It all presents itself as if it's righteous and good and wonderful. But again, it's all, you know... <laughs> Sometimes people ask me, how do you know? How do you know? Like, what's the... What's the... As I mentioned earlier, When you buy a bottle of milk and you open it up, I can't do this these days because COVID infected, affected my smell. I don't smell too much. I have a hard time, Matzah Shabbos with the Besamen. Um, I smell a little bit, but my loss, I lost most of my sense of scent. Um, but before that, um, you know, you t or anybody that smells, you take a bottle of milk, you can just stick your nose, you go, and everybody does. Right, you know, is it good milk or is it sour milk? Now let me ask you, if you smell that smell, we all know what that smell is. Mm -hmm. Do I need to send it to a laboratory to come give me a scientific, uh, a scientific um, explanation that the milk is sour? I'm not sending the milk for a test. I'm not pouring it into a special, uh, what is it called, culture and sending it off to a lab that they should tell me if this milk is good. Because I don't need no scientist and I don't need no doctor. God gave me a nose with an ability to smell, and if it stinks, it stinks. And what I can say is, 
that what's <laughs> the ones calling the shots and ruling the world right now, it stinks. That's all I can say. It stinks terribly. <laughs> Why? Because everything that we've seen, in other words, the, what smells? The Iranian deal stinks. The two-state solution stinks. The destruction of marriage stinks. The, the er eradication of men's and women's bathrooms, where everything is becomes uh, you know gender neutral, stinks. The and etc. etc. I don't want to talk about all this. So it's it's it, the payale oven. It's it's the year of payalev. So it, it shouldn't be a surprise that we've experiencing vayatzitzu kol payale oven. That the payale oven are are vayatzitzu. I think means they're sprouting. They're flowering. There's a certain flowering of the klipa. But they're reaching a point, and you see that right now it seems like they have gained such power. They have gained global power. In the United States, they have taken over so much that they have grabbed all branches of government completely. It's like frightening. It's a frightening situation. But what does the Pasuk say? What's the, what's the next word? Yishamdamadeyah, to destroy them completely. And I saw something in the Svasemis. The Svasemis talks literally on Purim, and he says that Purim is going to be exact, that Purim is a, is a, is a uh, I'm going to read it for you inside. It's, the Lushan is so powerful. I'm just going to read it. The Svasemis on Purim, it gives me a lot of Nachama when I read this. This is what the Svasemis says. Venes um, de Purim, this is in... It's Purim in Tafrei Shamach Beis. He has pieces on, of Torah that he said different years. So this is in the year Tafrei Shamach Beis. He says, V'neis to Purim, ha'yeremez l'mashiyah l'asid lava. L'asid. The miracle of Purim is a remez to what's going to be in the future. K'moy she'kol binyan haman v'katilei. And just like the entire structure of Haman and his kat and his group, ha'yahakol sibalam apelasan. The very lifting of Haman up and raising him up to the, all his power this itself was a siba. This itself was a, a, a cause for his fall. He says, in truth, the entire other side, the side of Klippa that is dominating the world now, and when Mashiach will come, it will be so crystal clear. That all their very power is the siba and the cause for the great salvation. That's going to be very quickly. And he says, Upurim, and Purim, Hachana is a preparation, it's a, for the future redemption. It's the beginning of the Nitzachin of Edom, because Haman was from Edom, he's from Amalek. And the ultimate victory is the beating of Haman, Haman's descendants, which is in Edom. He says his power is very strong. And what I, like it says, and he brings the idea that he says, Yaakov Avinu, that he saw the minister of angel of Edom going up very high. It's the power of Din. Esav is Din. Which, think about it. What's the name of the, of the current president? All right? All right? And, he, and he's very gaivadig. It says that Esav was given a power to win wars. They win battles, win elections, win, <laughs> win, win the power, win, win everything. It says that there's no victory that doesn't have from the descendants of Esav. Esav was given the skill of war, full of dinim, of judgments. But when the sword goes upon them, this is called sweetening of the judgments. 
When Haman was killed, it says that the anger of the king, the Midas Adin, that's in the Abish, they're in God, Shachacha. When Amalek falls, becomes a great time of Ratzin above. The king calms down, the Ebishter, because they willed it. The word Shechachim. But listen to these words. Venerally, I thought this, I don't know, this was very comforting to me. Venerally, it appears to me, why did Esther invite Haman to the Suda, to the, to the meal, to her feast? She says an interesting thing. Because Amalek is so fierce, it's so powerful, and they're rooted in such elevated places of incredible strength, it's not easy to tear them down. It's like they, I don't know, but maybe you're feeling what I'm feeling. There's like this global dominance. And, and, and in other words, when you have high tech, you have everything serving you. You have everything. You silence everybody. Supreme Court. Everybody is intimidated. Everybody's, I don't know, black. Everybody's terrified. You have an entire world dominated by it. And if you dare suggest something else, God forbid, you're a conspiracist, you're a this, you're a that, you're, an, you're, you're, you're dreaming in Neverland. Okay, let's not go there. But, but they, in other words, creating this, 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 global, this global narrative. And again, I'm not going to argue with anybody. I'm just going to tell you that when I open up this bottle of milk, it stinks. That's all. And if it doesn't, if, if to you it smells delicious, enjoy yourself. To me, it's abhorrent. Okay, maybe, maybe I, 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 I'm totally messed up. I don't know. I'm not telling anybody what to believe. Please, let's, I'm, not, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a hakachainik. I'm not telling you. Every, you can, I, I, I respect if you have a different opinion. Really, I really do. I, I'm not... I'm not, uh, oh, if you don't believe like me, you're an atheist, you're a wicked person, and God forbid. It's not my style, I don't, I don't see that way, I, I don't have that. Thank God I'm not that arrogant. I, I, I'm sharing what I feel in my soul, okay? And, uh, and uh, again, uh, your choice to, 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 to agree with me or not, in any case. But she, but the, oh, look what he says. When she invited Haman to the party, since Haman's power is din, judgment, wrath, anger, his powerful anger of Midas Adin, she calmed it down. And this weakened him because his power is din. And when he wasn't so angry, he wasn't so powerful. It's amazing. Because he says, Amalek Amatria Rum, Amalek is Gematria Rum. 240, which is Ram exalted. He's rooted in Yitzchak, with Yitzchak is Midas Adin, and so he has a very, very high power. So it's frightening, right? But what did she do? When she made him happy, he calmed down from his Midas Adin. So you know what's interesting? <laughs> You can say, I was just, again, this is my thought. You know what was going on in the last year? Not last year, the last four years. The rage that was going on in, 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 in this whole 
this whole network of Klippa. They didn't have a moment where they, they didn't stop raging with anger and anger and anger and anger and anger and wanting to destroy anything that was considering some other plan for the world future. You know, one that would actually destroy the bad guys and actually bring God back into the world a little bit and actually declare the truth that Israel belongs to the Jewish people because they were there for thousands of years. And right? but, 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 but the anger against that was right? and we had riots across the, the country and we had who knows what. Now, there's no one to fight. There's no one to, to scream at. So things are coming and they're happy. They're happy because they have all power. A kind of unchecked power right now. So there's such a happiness. Maybe this is related to the Esther's uh, scheme. So when the, the, the power of Din is, is kind of weakened right now because for a moment, there is a, there is a kind of a, a, a lull in the din. And they finished with all the impeachments. They finished already. <laughs> it didn't work out fine, but it's okay. But now it's like, so now what? Now let's get ready for everything to flip over. Huh? I don't know. I'm, I'm waiting for the Eberster to, to, to get involved. But I do think, okay. So today is a very special day because the, the power of Amalek What's, what's the idea of Amalek? The power of Amalek is that they try to block the manifestation, as we spoke earlier, of God in the world. And they interfere with God's name. Because everything in the, in the physical world, again, originates in spiritual powers. And, and, and the spiritual forces of Amalek try to, to, to jam the flow of godliness, literally to jam the flow of godliness. The flow of godliness comes through a system of first Kesar, and then from Kesar, from the infinite, which is pure, unadulterated, infinite light, then Chachma. What's Chachma? Chachma is capturing that infinite Kesar, but delivering it in a point. A powerful dosage of godliness to become the source of creation. Kesar is still infinitely beyond the creation. Chachma is already, Chachma, and Kesar is hinted to in an Aleph. Chachma is, whoa, what was that? Chachma is a Yud. And Yud, Yud is a, is a flash, a point. And the point of the Yud later manifests in a He. Which is the He is Bina, and then comes Vav, the six emotions, and finally He, the lower He is Malchus, is the world. When things are healthy, when things are uninterrupted, when things are the way they should be, from Kesa, which is the Aleph, comes forth um, the Yud, K, Vav, K. And then we have a manifestation of godliness in this world. We have a creation, but a creation filled with divine um, illumination and divine presence. What Amalek doesn't want is that the world should be a place, a mishkan for Hashem. So they have to jam the system. And the way they jam the system, I'm not going to get into it much in detail right now because it's getting late, is they, their main operation is to fight the Yud of God's name the Yud of Chachma, in, in, in Hasidus it says, and based on what the Gemara says, is that Amalek tries to separate the Yud and the He of God's name from manifesting in the Vav and the He of God's name. So they're separating the Vav K from the, from the Yud K. And the idea of it is, like the, is as follows, just briefly. Vav K is the actual creation, the world already. Because Vav is the six emotions that create space, time also, seven days of the week. And He is Malchus, which is Mamish, the force of the divine within the creation. Yudke is the intelligence and the, 
the uh, godliness as it is still above the creation, higher than the world, and therefore unobscured and unblocked. And, and uh, so when the Yudke is shining in the Vavke, then the worlds are in a state of great receptiveness to God and a state of deep nullification to their source. Primarily, the most pivotal element of here is the Yud. Because He represents Bina. Bina is understanding of God. When you have an understanding of God, but you don't see God, Chachma is vision. The Yud of God's name is, to see, is the ability for godliness to be presented in the world in a way that we can see Him. When you see God, you melt. It knocks out all ego. When you understand God, it leaves much more room for one's own existence and one's own being. And therefore, if the six divine emotions and then Malchus, which is speech of God, is not connected to the original Yud, but the Yud is kind of cut off, then we're just left with the hay. And when you're left with the hay influencing, it's just based on intellect and understanding and reason. It leaves much more room for ego. And when there's room for ego, I'm not going to get this. This is a complicated idea of Hasidus. We taught about it a lot. I'm not going to. There could be a misuse of the energy. In other words, from holy, since it doesn't knock out the ego, and a person, even if they're inspired to God, it's about themselves. I love God because I appreciate his greatness. I understand who he is. So I have this very strong sense of self. So then the moment I stop focusing on God, and, but I still have ego, I still have self. And more than that, the, 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 even the godly experience that I experienced pumped my ego because the fact that I had a nice experience makes me feel very good. And now I'm such a great person. I'm, I'm like so awesome because I'm even spiritual. <laughs> so then what happens is I become so important in myself. And therefore, if I want something and that, and that something is not approved by God, who cares? It's, it's, it's not, it was never about God. It was about me. Because even when I was in a relationship with God, it was not about God. It was me. That, so if things are starting just with a hey, and then not starting with a yud, you're in trouble. Because a mole can then thrive. For all forces of evil can then be energized as a result of the disconnect. That's why it says, Reish is goyim amolek. In order for goyim to exist, when we say goyim, we mean other energies that are not holy. In order for them to give, to, to live, they need the effect of amolek. Amolek has to enable them to exist. Because without amolek, the yud, what's the yud? Yud is the initial point where everything is emanating from nothingness, from the Eberster, and that is powerfully felt. That's the Yud, the first projection of God's Chachmas, the power of Bittu, Koyachma, the power of seeing Ezo Chacham, who's a wise man, Haroya Sanoilet, who sees how everything is being born from nothing. It's when we see in such a powerful way, the Neshama has the capability of seeing God, seeing how creation is just a, 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 a emanation of Hashem's infinite power, infinite light. When you feel that, you don't feel yourself, you feel God. And then your entire, even your love is not about I love, it's about love. It's, it's, it's you, you, you're being drawn to something without feeling yourself. You're fearing God, but not feeling, it's not, it's not self. Everything is, is the source. Then, even when you're not so intensely involved in serving God, you don't have such an ego. And then you can't manifest negativity. The Yerah the fear of God, accompanies you all the time, and you live all the time in godly consciousness. And there's no room for negative behavior. So godliness impacts all aspects of our life. And it trickles down, not just to a person serving God, it trickles down to the rest of the world. The world in general is far more godly conscious. Block the Yud. When we block the Yud, 
then creation is far more sensed, as we spoke earlier, and then you have klipa. That's one element of what Amalek fights. He, he, he fights against the Yud. Now there's another element of where Amalek fights. And he fights against even higher than the Yud. He blocks the, 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 the level of Keser, the crown. And that's why the sages say that not only does Amalek separate between the Yudke and the Vavke, but in there is something called Kisei, the throne of Hashem. And Kisei is spelled Kes, Chof, Samach, and then Aleph. That's the Kisei, a throne. And the Pasuk says, when it speaks about the war against Amalek, it says that God's hand is Al Kes, Ka, on Kes. On the, on, it doesn't say Kisei. It should have said that Hashem is putting his hand on his throne. It should have said Kisei. And the answer is, as long as Amalek exists, God is swearing he's going to fight against Amalek. That means Amalek exists because if you need a fight with him, it means that he's still a power in the world. But what's his power? As long as Amalek is here, God's throne is without the Aleph. What's the Aleph? The Aleph is the revelation of Keser. Now, Keser is even higher than Chachma. It's Chachma is already, as we spoke earlier, God godliness entering into the, the, the system of existence. God is becoming a source of existence as opposed to Keser is Hashem's light as He is for Himself. Transcendent and infinite above the creation. That's what the Aleph represents. Aleph is the same letters as the word Pele. Pele means wondrous, above, beyond, outside of, higher than. And it's interesting. Where does the Aleph, the Yudke, Vavke, doesn't have an Aleph, right? But the throne of the Yudke, Vavke, where Yudke, Vavke sits, that's the final sphere, sphere Samalchas. The He is also Merama Samalchas, I'm not going to get into it, but the throne, for some reason, in the throne, the Aleph appears. The Aleph of Keser. Kisei. Because, why? Because since Hashem's desire, this ultimate desire is, a, is an actual creation, which is Malchus. Shem doesn't desire all the preliminary levels until creation. God desires creation. So the infinite light, which is the light of Kesser, which is Hashem's desire, that is related dafkets with the idea of not tchilas and from the beginning is wedged in the end. It's in Malchus, in the actual. In other words, what matters most to God is the actual compliance with God in this world, yes, God cares very much about the marriages of this world. Yes, God cares very much about uh, American culture. God cares very much about public schools. God cares very much about the Venezuelans and about, about, uh, about, about, about the, the, all the people across the entire world. God wants a civilized world, a world that will adhere him, a world that will be his subjects, a world that will invite him, a world that will respect them, a world that will live in peace and in harmony with each other in as part of God's kingdom. And that happens through Sviris HaMalchus. That's our final stage. And primarily through Torah and Mitzvahs and so on and so forth. This is, this is where it's at. And that's where the Aleph is. But since Amalek doesn't want, wants a world, wants the actual empire, but without the king. So it's case, it's a concealment on the Aleph, not a revelation on the Aleph. And wants God's will out of here. So they're fighting against the Aleph. They block the Aleph. And that's the secret of the word Yud Aleph, 11. That's why we, I mentioned this in a short video that I made today. When do you start, and what's Purim? Purim is overpowering Amalek, the defeat of Amalek, hanging Amalek on a, on a tree. So when do we start reading the Megillah? 
the first day you could read the Megillah is on the 11th day of Ador. Megillah Nekras, be Yud Aleph. Why do you start reading the Megillah on Yud Aleph? Because that's what Amalek fights. Amalek fights the Yud and the Aleph. And that's why once you have the power of Yud Aleph, you can start reading the Megillah. It's the restoring of the Yud and restoring of the Aleph. Number 11. Number 11 really stands for 10 spheros, all 10 attributes, all the way down to Malchus, saturated with Aleph, with Keser. That means that there is no separation between the letters. There's one fusion, one unification between all reigns of existence. The most physical element of creation is completely a, 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 a receptacle. Similar that we spoke earlier about Esther being a receptacle to hire and how her hand could be a hand. Everything in this world is perfectly synchronized with the, pre, with, with the way things are in the higher realms. And by the way, yeah, marriage in the higher realms between a man and a woman, not between two men or not between women. It doesn't exist. And when the world down here is not operating, then, then you have a dissynchronized existence. You have a world that's full of, it brings full of everything bad. It, it's the opposite of bracha. It's, the, it's, it's, it's just curse. Because, not, because the, 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 the universe and the spiritual cosmos are not lining up with each other. It's a misalignment. And it, all it brings is virus. All it brings is disease. All it brings is sickness and illness and death and, and separation and darkness. So the lowest world has to be synchronized, but for it to be synchronized, you need number 11. And Haman fights, and Amalek fights against 11. That's why Haman and his 10 children is 11. He's Haman and 10 children. Now Esther, it's interesting, the Megillah says that Esther asks Achashverosh, in the end of the story, she says to Achashverosh, you should, the, 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 ten, the 10 sons of Haman were killed. You see, there was a war. And it looks like the Haman, and even though Haman was killed immediately, but it looks like the ten sons of Haman were just as wicked as their father. And they joined in the, in the campaign almost a year later on the 13th of Adar when they came to fight, when the, when the, when the mob came out to, to, to kill the Jews because that was the initial day that was set and the Jews were given power to fight back. Probably they were given assistance from the king's armies to fight back. And they defeated their enemies it says they killed the ten, the, ten, uh, the ten sons of Haman in that war, in that fight. Esther asks Achashverosh that um, after they killed them, Pasuk Yud Beis, Perik Tes Pasuk Yud Beis, V'yemen HaMelech Esther HaMalka, Oh look, no, Ubeshushan Abira, and in Shushan Abira, Harga Yehudim, the Jewish people killed Va'abed and they annihilated. Chamesh Meis, they killed 500 people. In the riot in Shushan Abir, in the capital Shushan. And it lists all the, all the ten sons of Haman. Then it says, In verse number 12, they killed 500 people. They And they also killed the ten sons of Haman. And Esther says, no, I'm sorry, not, Esther didn't say this. The king said this to Esther. He says to her, we killed already. This, this is what happened. So Esther says to the king, please give us another day to be able to finish the job. Uh, to fight the, our enemies. And the ten children of Haman, they should hang on the tree. Now they're dead already. Why do you have to hang them? Okay, maybe just to publicize it, the victory. But who's the point of here, Esther is not sadistic over here that she needs to like, you know, <laughs> emphasize, look at the dead, they're hanging so you can enjoy, God forbid. 
What's this idea of hanging them? So, um, the, uh, I mentioned before I was looking a lot in the Sefer Zerah Kodesh from the Holy Rapshitz or Naftali of Rapshitz. Naftali of Rapshitz was a student of the Chayza from Lublin. I, um, my family goes back as Rapshitz of Chassidim. Naftali um, of Rapshitz wrote, asked, he was known to be, you know, he was born the day the Baal Shem Tov passed away. Literally, the very same day the Baal Shem Tov passed away, Rav Talia Ravchitz was born. So, just, uh, it's an interesting idea. Um, he, he said that they should write on his caver. He was known for his wit. He was an unbelievable witty tzaddik. He, but he, like, he, couldn't understand, he couldn't stand stupidity and people that are foolish in their religiosity. And he was known for his humor, incredible. But in his humor was always hidden deep secrets. But one of the things was that when he passed away, he said they don't write anything on his grave besides one thing. That he was a chad bedara. He was the one in his entire generation, b'teres in, 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 in the in the mystical elements of Torah. It's an interesting idea. That he, that he that it's obviously we're dealing with... <laughs> On a whole different level, he wouldn't write anything that <coughs> wasn't true. And in any case, so he he asked this question: Why hang the ten sons of uh, Haman? So he explains this whole idea that Haman's fight against holiness was to fighting against the Yud and the Aleph. And I see it's amazing in this whole piece. It's a long piece. It's a very interesting piece. He parallels everything that you see in the Alter Rebbe. In the Siddur, Shara Purim, the altar we're talking about Amalek. And again, also there, how the fight against Amalek is against the Yud and the Aleph. Um, the, a little different, but the altar Rebbe says it's the Yud of Chachma, and the Aleph of Kisei is the Aleph of Keser that he's negating. But that Aleph of Keser is manifesting in Malchus, as we said earlier. Raftali of Rosh the truth is not, it's not any different, says the same thing. He says the alufa shaloylam, but he says that it's the aleph of the word adna. In Yudke Vavke, there's Yudke Vavke, two names of God, the Yudke Vavke, and there's also the name Aleph Dalad Nun Yud, which we know the name Aleph Dalad Nun Yud is the name of Malchus, called Ad. So the aleph is the aleph of Malchus. But as we know, that notes Tchilasam Besoifam, that the beginning is wedged in the end. And he says that's exactly what Haman was fighting. Hama wanted that the beginning and the end should be disconnected. He didn't mind that God is above the world. Keep him above, but don't let it reveal itself down here. He says an amazing thing. We say, Hashem, um, that the Abishter is going to, Vigaleinu Shainis, and the God will, re, will redeem us a second time. Acharis Kereshis. So simply, what does it mean, Acharis Kereshis? God will redeem us now, a second, in the end of days, like he did then, Rashis. Ra, ra, like he did the first time when he took us out of Egypt. What the Rapshitzer says, that the word acharis, which represents divinity, the final stage, the physical world, it, the gematria of the word acharis is 619. Tough and Reish is 600. Aleph and Ches is 9. Plus Yud is, is, is 619. With the kolel, if you add one, because to a word, to a gematria, it's 620. Rashis is keser, is the crown. That's the beginning of everything. 
Achris, the avo, our entire, he doesn't say it in such, it's such, such explicit words, but the way I understand it, our entire avoda is to bring Keser, the infinite, God unadulterated itself, as he truly is, down here to live in this world, in the physical world. And that's the meaning, the Yigoleinu, that God will redeem us when, when Acharis, when we finish the download. When I, we spoke a lot about this this past year, about the year 2020, drawing down Kesser, Corona, into the world, the, the, the infinite, right? So when Acharis, when the final state of the world will be curious, when in Malchus there will be the same revelation of Kesser, which is the idea of Kesser Malchus, Eishas Chayla Teres Baila, that in the end of days Malchus will rise up to the level of Kesser. The physical world will be holier than all, this, than all the spiritual worlds. That's the ultimate, when Acharis curious. But what does it say about Amalek? Reishas Goyam Amalek. Amalek is... Amalek is the racist. They fight against the racist. What's their fight? Because they, the acharisoi, they, they don't want to let the, the racist come down in this world because they don't want that. They want a godless existence. They don't want to match the two, that the acharis should be courageous. That's why he says they were also. So, they, Shaman was so excited when he, when he came up with the month of Ador. <laughs> this is so gewaldic. Because I'm finding it fitting so well with everything else that you know we've always spoke, and I, to find it in Zerakodesh, it was very gishmak. So he says um, he was so excited in the month of Adar. Why was he excited? He said it's his, it's a good mazel. What was such a good mazel? The mazel of Adar is fish. The thing about fish is they hang out in the concealed world. You don't see them on the outside. That's a molek. They don't care what's going on deep in your heart. Deep in your heart, you believer, you this. That. Don't express it. In the world, this is a godless existence. The physical world, Hashemayim Shemayim Lashem, the heavens let it be to God. But the earth, this is for man, we control it down here. Don't bring me God in here. You can leave God up there. In the water, great. It represents a submergence of holiness. It's that the racious remains disconnected from the Yachras. And that's why one of the reasons he was happy, because Moshe died. Moshe is the communicator of the Torah to the world. Moshe brings the racist down to the Achris. Moshe Moshe. Moshe brings us the 620 mitzvahs down to the world. When Moshe was born, the Rebbe also speaks the same, same concept in, the, in this week's Parshas Tetzav, the Tavshinun Beis talk. The Rebbe talks all about this, that the whole power of Moshe is that he captures the essence, the undefinable essence of the soul, and he brings it down into the manifest state. And that's what the Rebbe says is the idea that Moshe was born. The whole house became full with light. It's the light of Kesser. It's the light of the infinite that was filling the physical. It, didn't, it wasn't some abstract state. God was real, real in the physical world, in the material, got mystical world. Here is where the Abishter is tangible. That's the whole point. Homo was happy that Moshe died. Um, what do you mean? That this channel has been stopped. That's what he thought. He thought that it stopped. But he doesn't realize that Moshe was also born then and the, and the birth overpowers the death. And we also know, he says, talking about the mazel of fish, fish on the one that seem to be minding their own business in the ocean, they don't have any impact on the earth. But we also know that the fish never close their eyes. And, and that's why we know for Tashlech, we go to a place, a pond with fish because it represents an eno pekicha, on God's always watchful eye. That means that God is always watching. That earth is important for Hashem. It's not a disconnected God. It's a God that cares about what happens down here in your bedroom. God cares what's happening. Yes, it makes a difference what sandwich you eat, a kosher and anchor. What's, what's the, what's the, what's the Amalek 
wicked um, 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 answer. Anybody that doesn't want to, you know, be involved in mitzvahs and so on. You think God cares if I eat, uh, you know, this sandwich or that? You think He eats if I? You think He cares if I wait five and a half hours? I have to wait six hours, and maybe He does care. And that's what he tells us in the Torah, how much he cares about every little nuance in life. Because he does care. And he says that's the whole idea of this. The fish represents God always looking. It's almost like the fish are always spying on us. He says, the, the Pasuk says, okay? From his heavenly abode, God is looking down. The first letters of the words, spell the word Moshe. Moshe is the one who brings us that idea that God is looking down here. He cares about earth. Think about it. Which person told us that God cares about earth more than Moshe? If Moshe gave us 613 commandments with a million details of how God wants us to live on earth, that means Moshe was the one who brought God's interest down to earth. Now, Amalek wants to disrupt that. Fighting the Yud and the Aleph. So in order to... Uh, Fix that. Overpowered that that klipa. That that trying to block the yud and the aleph. Esther says they should take the ten sons of Haman and hang them on a tree. What's the idea of that? It's very interesting. We know that there are four ways in which the based in um, four methods of. Execution, and according to Torah, when a person deserves capital punishment, four methods: skila is stoning, srefa is burning, hereg is through the sword, a beheading, and chenek, um, which is a strangulation. Four four methods. According to Kabbalah, these four methods correspond to the four letters of God's name. Because each, this, God forbid, this uh, form of execution came to fix if there was some, the sin that was done. Why is it the Torah prescribed that for this particular sin, it uh, has to be this punishment? Because so, the punishment is not punishment, it's meant to repair the damage that was done through the sin, which blemishes one of the four letters of God's name. We know that before we go to sleep at night, there is a special vidoy from the Ari, Kabbalistically ba based on in which we say and declare every night that if we sinned with such a sin and thereby deserve stoning, let it be considered as, as if we were stoned. And then we say, if we did a sin that was um, deserving of the sin of, 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 being, of burning, let us be considered as if it was done. And we go on to state explicitly which, which, um, which blemish. In other words, not just the, the, the punishment, but also the reason what the, the, the blemish that was made in one of the God's letters. So by skila we say, in Paganti, if I blemished, Ba'is Yud, stoning, comes for the punishment of, of a blemish in the letter of Yud of God's names. Uba'is Aleph, and in the letter Aleph shall Shimcha Hagadel Adna, through you, in your great name, Aleph Dalit Nun Yud. So stoning, follow with me is a tikkun, a rectification, a repair in a sin that blemishes both the yud of yud kevavke and the aleph of malchus of adna, which we said the aleph of adna is the same aleph of keser, of the crown. Okay? So that's the yud and the aleph. Now the halacha is like this. 
All the people that were executed, if there was an execution in Jewish law, they never were hung. There was, there was no hanging as a punishment. But the dead corpse was hung only by stoning. By all the other ways of killing, they never hung the person. That's the way. Anybody that is stoned, that's the halach. So you see that hanging is related dafka to this. It's part of the tikkun. The hanging is part of the tikkun when there is a blemish in the yud, in the yud and in the aleph. Because that's where stoning is. And that's where you hang. So therefore Esther Amalka, who knows the spiritual dynamics and wants to make a tikkun and what Amalek was blemishing. Amalek is hurting the yud and the aleph. And that's why she says you should hang the ten sons of Allah eights because dafka by, by a, a blemish in the Yud and in the Aleph, there is a tikkun related to, to the Yud and the Aleph. So this brings us all back to the power of Megillah Nikres, um, Now, the question is if Amalek is so powerful that they can jam, and as you see, as, in, as I'm telling you, this is not an ancient story. This is exactly what's going on. This is the story of happening in the world right now. And if we have to overpower Amalek, and we have to, like, that means we have to get past what is high. Amalek is high. But if Amalek is high, how do we get past? How do we fix if they're so powerful? If they can get into God's name and interrupt the flow, if they can hack so deep, and if they can get into... Um, Aleph, uh, the Aleph of Keser and, 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 and reaching over there because they're rum, they're so exalted. How, how, how do we deal with them? How do we ever take them down? The answer we said earlier, Hashem shows Yaakov, I myself, God says, will take them down. How do we activate that? Well, the Pasuk says, Ki yod al God lifts his hand up on his throne to swear that he's going to defeat Amalek in the end of days, which is now. God's oath that he's going to defeat Amalek. Yod. Which hand? So the Alter Rebbe in the Siddur, Shar HaPurim. This is beautiful. The Alter Rebbe in the Siddur, Shar HaPurim says there are three hands of God. There's Yad HaGad, it says in the Torah, three hands. We have two hands, but in the Torah speaks of three unique hands of Hashem, arms of God. Yad HaGadola, the great hand. Yad HaChazaka, the mighty hand. Yad Rama, the exalted hand. And he says an interesting thing. By Hagedula and Hachazaka, it adds a hey, which says the, which means it's the reason why, but by Yad Rama, there is no, the exalted hand, there's no Yad Harama. What does it say, Yad Rama? It says, B'nai Yisrael Yitzim, the Jewish people went out by Yad Rama with an exalted hand. So the Alter Rebbe explains, Yad Hachazaka, Yad Hagedula are, represent unadulterated, infinite godliness, but that which is possible for it to reveal itself in our existence, in our, as we exist as souls in this world, we can experience Yad HaGadola. He explains it to mean a powerful, transcendental love that's bigger than our mind. We're suddenly overtaken with an intense love for God. Yad Chazaka means we're overly, we're suddenly overly, Instead of, usually fear comes from our own meditation. We bring ourselves to a fear of God. Suddenly a person can experience a fear of God that's overwhelming. It's like suddenly like, just, it's like, almost like, you know, from above. It, it comes down upon a person and you're trembling in awe with a fear that's divine. It's bigger than you. 
But you could experience it as, as being an identity, as being somebody. That's why it has a hey, because hey means it could be revealed. Yad Rama can't be revealed. Rama, exalted hand, he says, it's not that we don't experience it as Jews, but the way we experience the Yad Rama of God is only when we are him. In other words, as long as we are we, we can't experience You can't be somebody and experience it. Yeah, the only way to experience Yad Rama is to be Him. When you are Him, He has Yad Rama. That's, his, that's God exalted in Himself. And the Jews attain that in Mesiris Nefesh. When we are in a state of total self-sacrifice, and we, what it means that we're so devoted to God that we cease to be an existence other than Him. We melt into God. And when we become Him, we are Him. And when we are him, he's infinite, we're infinite. We're just, and then the Yad Rama could be revealed. That's why it doesn't have a... It can't be revealed outside. It can only be revealed inside. Purim, that's the hand, he says. When you, Yad Rama is so high that Amalek has no relationship to it. Amalek can block in the Yud and in the K, that's when they can... And even influence the Aleph from manifesting. But it, God's very essence, Amalek has no power in it. And the Jewish people, Allah has arose in God's thoughts, means higher than the Yudke and higher even than the source of the Yudke, in the very essence of Hashem. And by the story of Purim, because of the, the, the threat of annihilation, we became so Jewish and so godly that it was revealed in us how we are, we are just Him. We're inseparable of Him. We are Him. And then we are, Amalek becomes power. Has no power of us. That's the Yod al called that hand. And the Alter Rebbe says that that was the nace of Purim, but how do we experience this? It's the concept of Goral. Uh, Yom Kippur, we touch that level. That's where we get forgiveness for all of our sins. But the way we get to that place, every Purim, he says, that level was kind of like it was imprinted in existence already, that level, and we have access to it. But we can't have access to it through our mind because this utterly transcends reason and understanding. It's enclosed, he says, in the wine that we drink on Purim. We drink Purim and we drink ourselves to a point that our mind doesn't, to a place of loyada when we don't know. And what we're really drinking ourselves, we're drinking ourselves into God. Literally, we're drinking ourselves till we are Him. We transcend an awareness of separation. That's higher than Das, higher than the Eitzah Das, Tovera, where Amole can start. We have to go beyond the Eitz. We have to go higher. We have to go into the very essence of God Himself. And from there, there is no power over us. And that's where we're standing this year. I think on Sunday, when all the Jewish people melted into God, and that simple cry, we want Mashiach now, for no other reason, but we want, we can't, what are we complaining about? What's wrong with the world right now? What's wrong? What's wrong? Is there any problem? No problem. Live your life. Enjoy. The stimulus checks. Get my, I mean, okay, there's illness still. There's a threat of COVID. Fine. Maybe we'll figure it out. Maybe the vaccines will work perfectly and everybody will be okay and everybody will be fine and we'll live life. But why? why? We can't tolerate a godless world. We want Hashem revealed in this world. And that's because we are Him. And ultimately, that's because we are Him. So right now we're, we're, we're gearing up. This whole, this whole season is leading us. It's bringing the Jewish people to this place, to this Purim's place. We're infinite. We go beyond that. They're high, and we're much higher. As we, and Purim is the day to reach that peaks.
to defeat Amalek once and for all. And from Purim, we're going straight into Pesach. We're going into Nisan. They've gone up high, but they will fall. And we go up high so that we can bring that heights down to the world and live with Hashem's very essence revealed in this world forever and ever. Not just for us, but for all of humanity. Because all of humanity really wants God. All we need is to get eradicate these, 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 uh, these few clippers that want to drag humanity into whatever they want to drag humanity. But most of the world doesn't want this. Once the world wants truth, wants MS, wants goodness, the world is ready. The clipper needs to bust, and the clipper is going to bust it. Bezrat Hashem. May we merit from this Yud Aleph, we come to Yud Aleph of Nisan, which is the ultimate revelation of Moshiach's light and Moshiach Tzadkenu. And Yud Aleph Nisan is the Rebbe's birthday. Dafkin Yud Aleph of Nisan. We reveal the number 11 as, the, as it's explained in so many talks. May we merit the Geula Shalema in the year Pei Aleph. May this be the happiest Purim ever. Bezrat Hashem. Now, now. Now and now.